Hi everybody, welcome to The Wedding Method. We're back for 2017. Okay, so welcome back to us, yay. <laughs> um, I guess 2017 means that we're both working um, our 10th year in business, which yep. is exciting. Um, so we've got lots of interviews planned for 2017. And we'd love to hear from listeners on who you want us to interview and any topics that we should discuss. So feel free to drop us a line. So today we thought um, we'd start off the year with food because we love food, <laughs> we eat food, we talk a lot about food. Pretty much every podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but we've brought Zach and Ali in from A Movable Feast Catering Perth who can actually cook food and not just cook food because <laughs> I can cook food in my Thermomix but more um, create yes. food and create amazing dishes which I've had the pleasure of tasting which were yummy. So welcome Zach and Ali. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yay. Right, so we're going to get started. Um, so, A Movable Feast is a memoir by Ernest Hemingway. So, is that where your name came from? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Good yeah. spotting. I know. Right? Yeah, we've actually got a trike that sits right in the middle of our kitchen called Annie that's uh, a, a black um, <laughs> cast iron looking trike that at the moment has a, a barrel on the back, um, which we've... We're using it at a wedding in a month or yeah, so. Very useful for cocktails. Excellent. Awesome cocktails in all beers. Awesome. Yeah. And the logo that we yeah, use on the um, first edition, um, there was a, a high top or a, a penny farthing yeah. um, on the cover. So okay. we had our family graphic designer um, come up with something using um, a penny farthing for our logo. And what oh, better name for a company that can take food anywhere exactly. yeah, for that's true. events than yeah. a movable feast. No, and so unique. Well, I picked it up because I'm reading a book about Ernest Hemingway's first wife. Oh, Excellent. That's very intellectual. <laughs> I know. Jesus. <laughs> I like my reading. Myself, I only read Harry Potter and <laughs> so I'm very boring. My taste's so limited. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got started um, with the catering business. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you okay. can tell them all um, about when you were a junior master chef back in the day. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we want to hear this story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm Ellie. I was born in the UK, but my parents are from Perth, so I've always had a bit of a link here, and I've lived here for 10 years now. Um, Zach and I met oh, six years ago. We got married four years ago. We catered our own wedding. Okay. Oh, oh that's wow. crazy. <laughs> Which was slightly insane. Yes. Mm. Um, I started training as a chef when I was 16. I'd always been really interested in food. Um, my first cooking experience was making pancakes when I was five, and they were dreadful. And <laughs> I remember my father going absolutely crazy when he got home and there was flour all over the kitchen. Mm. Um, but from then on, I've just always been really interested. I ended up cooking for the family a lot growing up. Um, and when I was sent off to boarding school, it was really the biggest thing that I missed was being able to cook really regularly. Um, so after I started training as a chef, I realized that I didn't really have the right temperament to be a girl in a kitchen, a bit of a softie. I didn't like being yelled at. Aww. So I went much more into the dinner party route and creating food that way. Um, and so I've always sort of worked in and out of kitchens just for fun and done lots of entertaining myself. And when I met Zach, I don't think you could meet anyone more foodie. Um, to be honest, when yeah. we first met, which was at a dinner party, we talked about food non-stop for about seven hours. 
Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> I was at a dinner party where AJ had nicked some food that I was curing yeah. at my house, didn't he? And then told me I was cooking for 20 people. Yeah. And what about you? What about, how did you get started in food? Um, well, my grandfather, back in the day, was uh, he was a chef in the Territorial Army because he decided that there was a war coming. So he joined up the Territorials in the mid-30s and trained as a chef so he wouldn't have to be in the front line. That's um, smart. And um, he begat my father, who... Basically, he's So, um, my father, um, one of my memories as a kid, the first time we went to France, my father, um, I went out with the oyster um, fisherman getting, uh, harvesting oysters, and he showed me how to pop one open with the pen knife. And I did that in front of my father, who promptly threw up, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> and from there, it was one thing to another. And uh, yeah, I went, to, I went off to uni to study um, <laughs> nuclear chemistry. Um, <laughs> And um, it took me six years to get a basically worthless degree because nobody oh. employs um, nuclear chemists who get a pass. Um, but uh, at the same time, unknown to my parents, so at least at the start, I was training as a chef. Um, so I left uni. It was all a ruse. Yes. So the day that I should have been at my graduation, I was uh, running line in the kitchen for a wedding. Um, and... Um, I've basically been in and out of the kitchen since. I um, spent some time front of house. Um, I was at the Ivy for a few years in mm, London. Wow. Um, and trained as a restaurant manager. Um, but I've always bounced back to the kitchen. And over 20 years really in catering in various guises in outside catering. So it's always been a good fit because it allows me to use the training as a sommelier and restaurant manager and all the logistics stuff as well as the cooking so yeah. Uh, um yeah i miss being out front when i'm in the kitchen i miss being in the kitchen when i'm <laughs> out front so this sort of covers all covers everything. Yeah. yeah all right so how did um, obviously you came together six years ago so how did a movable feast start um well we catched our own wedding yeah which was a very good sort of baptism hey. of fire <laughs> yeah particularly when your food in truck paddock. in a paddock and yelling up when your food truck on a 45 degree day oh of course um Ooh. when your food truck your refrigerated food truck uh shorts its power and you lose about two thousand dollars worth of seafood and oh. have to make it work oh so fun times um but yeah we'd always sort of said we wanted to do something in food and after i went on maternity leave lots of things happened and we just sort of looked at having a restaurant or a cafe or a food truck and nothing sort of felt really quite right. And we looked at some venues and we're like, oh no, you know, is this really what we want to do? And then Zach had so much experience in catering and we just sort of thought, well, why don't we do catering? You know, that gives us the opportunity to do, as Zach said, you know, front of house, back of house. Yeah, everything. I'm really interested in styling. I love working with other vendors and being creative. So um, the fact that I get to chat to photographers and people who hire beautiful furniture and I get oh, to go yeah. and look at amazing stuff and I just, yeah, and pay, I love stationery. So the stationers and the printing guys, I just go, oh my God, the graphic designers. I'm just like, oh, I love yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Weddings um, are a good fit then. Yeah. Yeah. But all events, like I feel like it's not just weddings. Yeah. It's like mm. weddings are great. But also don't forget about your vendors for all your other stuff, like your 30th birthdays, your, your hens, your engagement parties, all of these things And when things she's not doing it for clients, she's doing it for... <laughs> yeah, for myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're having a much smaller event, I think, for the kids this year. Last year we had birthday parties that had over 100 people <laughs> for both of the children. Oh um, my god. Yeah. We don't need to go into <laughs> 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 going the same. But yeah. 
But they'll never forget that, I bet. Well, they're well, too they probably won't remember. It's always about me. It's always about me. It's always to keep the tradition going. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It's five. I hear five is a big one for birthdays. Well, yeah, the one we're doing, um, so we're doing one next weekend for both the children, and there'll be two and three. So it's five, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Ah, okay, so it's still big. So we're, doing some, joy, we're doing yeah. joy. It's a much less full-on one with a caravan and... What else have you got for this one? We're so no McDonald's ice and no, no. I'm just yeah. doing okay. um, a pic. It's where the wild things are themed. I'm a big one for theming. Love me a bit All of right. that. Look, I still remember my mum used to make amazing cakes every year. Mm. Um, paint boxes, turrets, princess yeah. castles. The Women's Weekly cake book. Oh, yes, I have so that. Yeah. How good is it? Yes. It's and still so you'd go, good. You'd flick through it and go, yep, I, I want, want that. that. Yeah. And mum's like, okay. Yeah. Just retro-tastic. I think the retro-tastic swimming pool one with yeah. the green jelly. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me because I seem to have skipped all the cooking jeans novels. They've gone straight to my sister and her Thermomix. So I have a Thermomix because I can't cook. No, I can cook. I just can't remember that I am cooking and I do something else. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That was happening. All right. So we'll go into weddings because it is wedding podcast. So what sort of weddings do you cater for and what, what couples actually need to think about hiring a caterer? <laughs> um, what sort of weddings? Anything. Anything and everything. The big advantage of a movable feast is that we don't have set menus. Mm-hmm. So whatever you want to do, we can do. Yep. Basically, whatever style you want. Yep. If you want to do food trucks, we can either work with food trucks to come up with something or we've got um, one coming up where instead of food trucks they are having stations but in the same style as food trucks if you want to do a sit down that's fine if you want to do a table feast if you want to do a stand up um, we just we want to be well we are entirely client centric so it's really up to you we don't have menus to present to you you we chat to you we figure out what it is you want that's awesome Um, we very much see ourselves as facilitators rather than like a vendor who says no this is what you have to do yes there is practicality to weddings you've got to be practical it has got to work yeah but what we like is for people to come to us and say hey we've got this idea we really want to do it is this going to work and generally the answer is yes we might have to change the format slightly to get it to work to make it practical yeah not just for the food but for your guests for the other vendors but yeah we don't want to be the kind of people who say oh no, this is our brand and this is what we want to do. We want to say, this is your day. We want to be a part of your day and we yeah. want to facilitate it using our expertise to make it work for you. And do you want to do, do you want to talk about um, what people need to think about? Look, I think the most important thing when you choose any vendor is that you feel that you can have a relationship with them. We as caterers tend to have quite an intense relationship and I know you found this quite difficult at the start, Ellie, the, having those intense relationships with people in the month or two leading up to the wedding. And then when the wedding's gone, they disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> I feel that she's lost a friend. And, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, you've got to be able to have that kind of relationship to get what you want from your vendors. And if you don't feel that somebody gets you and gets what you're looking for and is going to be a good fit then they're not really the person that you should be using. And that's as much what we do. It's about relationships and about... Because we can do as much or as little as you want. We can do the whole package 
that we're doing for an event um, this coming October where we're doing the styling, the setup of the whole... We're doing the stationery, I think, for those guys as well. So we're doing everything apart from the photography. Mm. Um, or we can just... Or we can just do, as we did a, a couple of weddings last year, literally just the food and not even the front of house staff. Um, if we've got one of our key chefs who can liaise with other people there or some of our front of house guys who are comfortable in the kitchen to be that liaison, we're quite happy to just rock up and do the food and then and skedaddle. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, relationships are the most important thing. And, and mm. guessing, uh, I guess what, um, what you want to get out of your wedding um, if food's not that important to you, there are caterers that can do things at price points that we can't match because they're food purveyors. They buy things in defrosted and put it in a yeah. deep fat fryer and yeah. oven. Yeah. And if, yeah. the, if, if that's what floats your boat and you'd rather spend the money on a fantastic wedding dress or on more on the honeymoon, everything's got to be weighed up in a budget. Yeah. And we're, yeah. Yeah. we're more budget, than happy to play with people with that. Yeah. We've done whole wedding menus for... 20, 30 bucks for a menu because people have got a really tight budget but for that you're not getting anywhere near the same that you're getting if you're yeah. spending the you know the 60 bucks or so that's reasonable for a standing function or mm. for a table buffet for a menu yeah if we're cutting then obviously it's cutting but the, you know, it's all doable and that's the I think with us the the advantage that we try to give ourselves is having that we're totally bespoke we want to know as much about you guys and your favourite restaurants and where you met and where you like to go on holiday and what grandma's favourite cake was so we can make it all about you. Okay. All right. Um, so a couples are listening and they're like, yeah, we need a caterer. You guys sound awesome. So talk us through the booking process. So how do couples kind of come to you? And, and how do they do you normally find you, is it? Um, social media, I think online or by recommendation from other vendors is really important. Um, we sort of have pretty much a 50-50 split from clients who come to us through social media through literally either a Google search yeah. or a hashtag search. So a, an Instagram hashtag Perth Caterer or Perth Weddings or Perth Wedding Food, something like that. Yeah. Um, those those kind of searches that will generally take you to a website we have two booking forms on our or two inquiry forms on our website we have sort of a general one which is kind of saying hi i'm here um thinking about maybe using a caterer can you contact me with more information and then we have one which is much more specific which is a this is the date this is what i want type thing which gives us the more information yeah, obviously you can give us the bet the yeah. better mm-hmm. um or you can, the other 50% of our business comes through other vendors where they've booked either a venue, a stylist, or a photographer. They're the top three that we usually get. <laughs> who have, and they've said, oh, you know, I think I want, I might need a caterer. Have you guys worked with anyone? And that's why we think that, yeah. you know, re- relationship building Absolutely. as much as with clients is really important with the other vendors that work in Perth because we're all dependent on each other for work, really, and to have those really good relationships. 
Um, because that also makes your wedding day so much better. If your vendors get along and know each other, that's so good. Absolutely. You will get a really yeah. good vibe on the day yeah. um, where everyone's really cohesive and it's just a really good team effort. That's it. Yeah, we've um, even found when we've done um, wedding fairs and things that we've got more work from the vendors at the fair yeah. than the yeah. and rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's because true. we always make an effort at those things to reach out to people and we also tend to feed the vendors. Once you've made contact, so the initial step is always going to be making contact. Now, whether that's an email, a phone call, or a booking um, inquiry through the website, we will then get in touch. Um, if you give us a phone number, we will definitely call you back. If it's just an email, you will obviously only get an email response. <laughs> yeah, we do. But we'll prefer, ask you for a phone number. We will ask you for a phone we number. We want to talk to you about everything that's important yeah. to you. Yeah. Because okay. um, that's that's the the bottom line is we don't send out generic quotes yeah because a wedding's not generic it's all about the bride and groom and every wedding's different i've been involved in, i think we're up to 640 weddings or so now that three of them were yours though so you yeah. never take it down to three but the but <laughs> they're all different there's never something that's you know there's always something that sticks out and every wedding's memorable you need to make sure it's for the right reasons, so you need to make it personal. So we want to know as much as we can about you. Yeah, and then once we've had conversations, we're big on chats. Um, we will try and get an initial quote out to you that's as close to what you want as possible. Like for example, I just I had a client last week who rang me and she said, "Oh, I've never used a caterer before, but I really want to use a caterer." I was like, okay, great, what do you want? So well, I don't really know, but we were thinking French food. I was like, great. So I wrote them this French menu and I just had it in the back of my head. I was like, I don't think you quite I understand yeah. what you want. Mm -hmm. So I sort of, I said in the email with this quote that was, it was, I mean, it wasn't anything. I didn't put frog's legs on. I didn't put snails on, but you know, it was a French menu. Mm -hmm. And I said in the email, if this isn't what you want, please come back to me and we can go again. Like, it's fine. Just tell me if it's not right. Yeah. Tell me. And predictably she came back and she said, yeah, that French food isn't what we want. Like, it's yeah. fine. It's totally fine. Just that's cool. Don't worry. We'll, we'll go again. Yeah. And second time we got a great menu and they were really happy and it's all going and that's that's fantastic. If you don't know what you want, still ask. Just or even say we don't really know what we want. That's fine and we can definitely hone it down because it's all about you. We can give you ideas. We can mm. talk you through what works. We can, um, you know, develop it with you, but. Don't ever feel like if it's not right, don't say yes. Just yeah. say yeah. it's not quite right. I want to tweak this. We've got a wedding in March, which is a really, which is quite a big wedding, and we had a meeting with the couple yesterday, and they were like, "We really love the menu. We're really happy. But if there's anything new that you guys are doing or you're interested in doing, let us know, and we'll like we'd love to work that into the mm. menu." So, awesome. yes. Yeah. So we do try and get people down for a chat. Um, if you come down for a chat, you will always get fed in some capacity. <laughs> um, it's probably worth actually mentioning at this point tastings, yeah. maybe. So tastings is something that we get a lot of inquiries about. Now, if we are not a restaurant, yeah. so it can become quite difficult to taste a full menu. Yeah. We can do it, but you will be paying the same chef time to do a tasting as you would basically for your wedding. So it's actually quite an expensive... Um, it's a really expensive exercise. exercise. And some brides yeah. and grooms struggle with that as a concept because there are caterers that do free tastings. Most of the caterers that do free tastings have got very limited menus and are pulling yes. things out of a freezer to be able to give you your menu on day tax. Yeah. If we give you a tasting for four people with a um, an $80 menu, say, it's going to cost us about 
700 bucks to put on mm. which is probably what we're going to make out of the wedding yeah so, <laughs> so um what we try and do is to say come on down and you might not get the food that you're having on your wedding day but if you come down for multiple chats you'll get to try lots of different food yeah and um, you can sort of see the style of what we do and we can do some dishes that are if not the same that are similar to or we can let you know when we're doing food that's similar to yeah. what you're doing but because we tend to retire menu items as soon as we've done them and always do something a little bit different from wedding to wedding and dish to dish. We're never going to be doing your exact wedding yeah. menu for somebody else because we don't do it again because we want people to have different food at every event. And yeah. do you use more seasonal produce as well? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's absolutely no point in us saying we'll put white asparagus on a menu in the middle of winter because yeah. you can't get it. Yeah. yeah. Or if And if we can, it's imported, which makes yes. it not really sustainable yes. and you are going to pay... A yeah. huge amount of money for we it. We actually had on a wedding menu and we changed it um, for some guys last year where we'd said white asparagus and then because of the seasons changing this year and mm-hmm. having a really wet um, start to spring, yeah. white asparagus prices were coming in at, I think it was $130 a kilo. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and so if you want to do that for 80 people. So, yeah, so we changed that on a side dish for the guys and did a um, did with normal asparagus and with something else on yeah. the dish. I think some sunfire oh, popped pop, pop on there as well. Yeah. But that, um, That's nice and yeah. sustainable. Yeah, yeah nice and forage. And they actually, there's a, a great setup now in some of the salt flats. Uh, um, that grow in central um, southern Australia, grow yeah. sustainable sanfa all year round, which is great for chefs. Yes. It's ridiculously expensive. The other thing with <laughs> tastings um, is we've started using wedding fairs to do tastings for clients. So rather than just having a traditional stall per se, we actually try and get the potential or existing clients in to do a tasting. Yeah. Um, we did it last year at Wedding Fields at Perth City Farm and had a really, really good response. Um, not only from our existing clients, but we actually booked weddings from people who just randomly yeah. happened to be walking past and were like, oh, can we sit down? We're like, yeah, mm, by all means, rock on, you know, just yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And we're doing it again at First Comes Love. So um, it's just a bit of a different way of marketing. And I think everyone's just trying to stand out and do yes. something a bit different. Yeah. Um, and it lets people see, it lets the people wandering around see what we're about and get the enthusiasm that we have for what we do. Where if you're stood at a stall, yeah. um, even with the, I mean, the one that Ellie did last year for, um, I can't remember the fair, but it, she did a, a grazing table that just blew everybody away. Um, but we didn't let people touch it during the event because it had been smashed. We actually yeah, gave yeah. it to the vendors afterwards, which made us really popular. Um, but um, even with that, we were busy all day, but people don't really get a feel for what you do. Where If there's food going out and they can yeah. see it on the plates and they can see us chatting about the wines and things that it's going with and how we do what we do. Yeah. I think it's a lot more immersive, really. Yeah, people yeah. respond to that passion that you yeah. evidently definitely, have. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, so we're going on to talking about the food a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about food. Um, what inspires you to come up with your menu items? Our clients. Your clients. Totally client-based. Yeah. It's got to be. Because there's absolutely no point. I mean, we're very foodie and we will eat anything. There is absolutely no point in putting tongue on a menu if you haven't spoken to the client yeah. about it. It's going to freak the vast majority of people. I mean, don't get me wrong. We do get the odd client who will yeah. say, I want to put offal on my menu. Yeah. Or I want to put 
I don't know, something random on we you. We had like, a great one with that's that last great. August where they did that but didn't tell the oh, oh, yeah, they didn't tell guests. They did a rabbit Papadelli as a first course but didn't want to mention to guests because they, they knew they'd have some people saying, nah. we have vegetarian food there yeah. for people yeah. as well. Yeah. The, um, but um, yeah, they did a goat curry as a, no, yeah. goat casserole as a main course. But ju- just as a, the thing that sort of gives us the idea for items is chatting to people about them and what the event's about. So we we did a, I think the best example was the, the guys back in, uh, one day in October last year, we actually had two weddings on the same day. And one was a troll through their favourite restaurant, starting with a cocktail from no, one restaurant, yeah, from yeah, was, yeah. Um, and going through all their favourite places from their first dinner together where they had mm-hmm. loved the garlic bread, uh, Beethoven's, if you remember, that used to be in, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. in Applecross. But the other one, um, we did um, one of the canapes was... Um, a coronation rabbit tarot cup with the ducker crust because the groom used to skin rabbits in the backyard of his grandparents' house, which was where the wedding was, <laughs> with grandfather. Yeah. And he was from mixed Egyptian and Indian heritage. Yeah. So coronation rabbit oh. has, but then, then a ducker crust on that for the Egyptian heritage. Yeah. And the tarot cup because the bride was a Kiwi. So uh, one canapé sort of sums up the entire family. Wow. Okay. That's sort of what we're about. Um, Yeah. And if we can do that and it's something that they like and he loves coronation chicken, then all the better. It's something that then it tells the story of the brown groom and that's really and also the venue about. i suppose is yeah. the other place that you really can pull a lot of inspiration for your menu from yeah. Um, yeah so for example if you're having a fremantle wedding you can't not have some fish or seafood assuming that the bride and groom don't yeah. eat fish or yeah. seafood obviously yeah. but like yeah if you've got a wedding at kadogo for example fish and chips pop 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 yeah. fish and chips in some yeah. form on there you can either mm. do it as a more substantial item you can do it as a canapé but just something like that yeah um you want your whole wedding to be cohesive. You, I think that a lot of venues um, lend themselves particularly well to one style of food or another. So and those side visits yeah. are a great thing for that. We often find when you go to a venue that something pops out and says, especially for backyard weddings often, we yeah. really need to think about doing this or this. Or, um, we, um, we did one recently where it was a, um, a garden wedding and as guests came through to the garden we served um, an English country garden cocktail so a gin based cocktail oh, wow. that That's was the wedding we worked together yeah. yes. Um, yes, as guests came through as guests came through into the back into the back garden for a garden wedding because they wanted guests to relax into it Yeah. and they wanted really people to be told that it's okay it's a garden wedding as they came in yeah. to relax to come into a garden because they knew that a lot of people would find that it was something a bit different so it was a great way to just say, hey, you're in the garden. I didn't get to taste that as <laughs> yeah. well. We actually had the same cocktail at our own wedding. Oh, there um, you go. Yeah, it's um, one of Ellie's favourites. It looked delicious. Gin and elderflower and oh, cucumber. Wow. And, yeah. yeah, it's a goodie. Yeah, because it, the ceremony hadn't happened, and <laughs> I wasn't going to taste it. Oh, oh, sad face. I know. You have to come round <laughs> up one, Yeah. Um, right, so... My, you've pretty much made my next question to you mute because you're, I was 
going to ask you to describe or do you have a way to describe your food style but you've already described it yeah everything really, that totally. you say. we don't have a specific style yeah it's really just what do you as the client want what is important to you we and our background in cooking and the background of the people that we work with is quite eclectic i've worked in michelin star restaurants yeah i've worked with a number of caterers in perth and overseas um i've uh, yeah, I think you name it, we've sort of done it at one stage or another. Um, and we've covered most bases of things that you can do within the hospitality industry from cafes and food trucks and all those sorts of things. And we know the logistics of how things work. You did a, for my 40th, we had a surprise pirate theme party for about 100 people on Rotnest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the style of food that we do is totally relates to the party and the event that we're doing yeah, yeah. so same thing with signature yeah. dishes and yeah no there's no, no, sig- no crowd no. favorites we could give you some, um, some we've, got favorites. Favorites. Yeah. we've got yeah. personal favorites our, our <laughs> yeah. three-year-old as of yesterday daughter loves chicken feet but yesterday she wanted okay. noodles so she went out for her first ever evening meal to a vietnamese restaurant and her and her brother polished off noodles and spring rolls and in between. I think crowd favourites are always um, like you're always going to have your crowd pleasers. Sliders are always going to be yeah. are always going to be a, a good way of feeding a crowd. They're also relatively inexpensive and they're very trendy at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What we try and do is put a different spin on it. Um, I think same with fish and chips, which we've already kind of talked about. There are some dishes that are definitely more difficult to do. Pastas are actually, re- even though they sound really simple, are actually a bit of a nightmare. Um, Trying to do them in bulk. If it's yeah. a sit down, that's one thing. It depends on how you're going to do it. So on Friday, we're doing uh, um, we're doing uh, um, a prawn tortellini, um, but it's only for 16 people. Yeah. It's a yeah. Matilda Bay for sure. Doable. It's, yeah, <laughs> out under the stars, long table dinner, easy. If you want to do a gnocchi for a hundred people, it's fine when it goes out, but twenty minutes afterwards, it's, it's going to be stodge and yeah. gluggy, or it's going to be stone hard gnocchi in the first place to, mm-hmm. to get it to go out. So don't do that if you're going to have speeches in the middle of a table yeah. banquet, yeah. because yeah. you're going to have a ruined dish. Some pastas will lend themselves better than others. Yeah. Um, Spaghetti is always hard, especially if it's a stand up. Why would you have that at a wedding? That's lots of people. Lots of people say, "Oh, we're Italian. We love spaghetti, and that's great. That's awesome." But we just need to find a way to make it work. You can do a bolognese flavored sausage roll roll for later on in the evening. Is that not if you want? There's lots of different ways of doing things. Loads of different ways to skin a cat. Any catering trends to look out for in 2017? Um. I think the table buffet thing is really popular in Perth at the moment and will continue to do to be for a little while mm-hmm. um, with the shared feast. I shouldn't use the word table buffet even though that's what it is because it really confuses couples. It's basically the concept where it's still a seated meal but rather than individual plates of food, everything is put on the tables as platters and then people serve themselves. It's a really good way of making it a fun, a bit more relaxed way of doing yes. a sit down. It's also really good as a family feel. It lets your guests actually get to know each other, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel you've like quite yeah, you got table. to talk and you've yeah. got you've got people saying, "Oh, can you pass me that?" And that's all it takes to start a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, everybody who has ever run a wedding or been to a wedding knows how hard your seating plan is. 
this makes it a little bit easier because people don't just get a plate of food and go, oh, I don't know anyone sitting on my table and I'm going to just look at my plate of food. <laughs> yeah. This actually is a really good way of getting people to interact. It's also really good if you, and I'm going to go on to my little <laughs> chat about <laughs> um, alternate drops and food at weddings if you are doing sit-downs. Um, this is a really good way of getting multiple dishes on a table, um, so different foods, and especially with, um, dietary requirements as well. This is a really, really good way of, of covering it. Yes, because people can just help um, themselves. They can help themselves, they like, and they yeah. can always ask staff and just say, "Is this, you know, what's, yeah, you know, is this vegetarian?" What yeah, we right, tend yeah. to do generally is we tend to do two um, protein-based dishes. Now, whether that is a vegetarian option or not is obviously dependent on the couple. Um, so we might, in that scenario, if we had lots of vegetarians, we might do a protein dish like a big lentil-based. Um, like a potato curry with a lentil base or something. Or potato curry at the weekend. Or yeah, even, you know, a big pre-lentil salad or chickpea salad or yeah. something like that. Yeah. What we is more likely that we would do is a beef and a chicken or a beef and a fish because yeah. they are generally the most approachable. Mm-hmm. If you want to have lamb or pork, totally fine. Um, and then three sides. So, you know, one starchy one, something green, and something sort of veggie-ish. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. that covers a lot of bases there. Yeah. If you're getting into seated with plated dishes, you get there are a number of there are a number of things you just need to consider. One, if you're using a caterer, the chances are your staff costs are going to go up because we need extra chefs in the kitchen to plate that up. We also need extra staff to make sure that that food goes out in a timely manner. If you're trying to feed a hundred people and you want to cut your service staff, it's going to be slow. Just try and keep that in mind. Um, Similarly with plated food, um, we as a company have a policy of not in fact doing alternate drops. If you want an alternate drop, we are not the right caterer for you. Um, We do it for a couple of reasons. One is that you think it's going to be less expensive. Unfortunately, it's actually not. It's only marginally less expensive than doing a choice main, so for a choice dish. So if you say on your menu you want to have chicken or beef, that will cost you probably only $5 more per person than it will to do an alternate drop of chicken, beef, chicken, beef, chicken, beef. Mm -hmm. Um, Guests also don't really like alternate drops. Quite often you don't know the person sitting next to you. You don't feel confident to say, I don't really want to eat this. Mm. Will you swap with me? Mm. Um, It's too formal an occasion for that. It works for medical dinners. Yeah. um, And it can work where it's just close family, but when you've got other people there... It just doesn't, and it makes everybody look cheap, and it always, I think I've done two weddings with an alternate drop where the person on the floor saying, pop the plate down here and here, hasn't ended up either getting in an argument or being shouted at by somebody on the floor who said, well, I'm having the beef. Yeah, and what happens is the last table ends up getting all chicken or all has vegetarian uh, in the end because... it's. It makes everybody look bad, and as a result of that, we just said, if you want to do an alternate drop, you probably don't, you're not approaching things in the same manner that we are. We'd much, much rather give you an additional course and some great um, alternatives for dietary requirements, or give you a table banquet that gives you all that in one. And we did a table banquet back in October. It's actually the one that just got featured yesterday in whatever magazine that was. No, it was Nuva. Um, it was a magazine, but, it was on a blog. Um, but the, 
the um, we did a vegan um, chickpea curry on that one that I got separately asked by three people in the room to come and talk to. Wow. Um, I think we fucked a wedding off the back of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as much as I'm definitely not a vegan, um, we love doing dishes like that yeah. because yeah. they allow us to be creative and to do something that we know people are passionate about yeah. and if they love it, they're going to really love it. So. Yeah. So yeah, on the trends, I do think, yeah, yeah. yeah. the table buffet thing is going to continue. But I also think that seated is coming back. I think we're going to see a switch. If you look at what's coming out of Europe and the States at the moment and Perth, because we are way too old, <laughs> we'll probably be three or four years before we catch on. But I think that tra- return to tradition is going to come back with more seated. But just be aware if you are going for a seated option that, you know, there are different ways to approach it. And, and a lot of science coming into the actual dishes and stuff as well. Like, I love my hot smoker, so we've got a hot smoker up <laughs> oh, home yeah, now as well. That's true. One oh. of our staff got paid for Christmas, sorry, New Year's Eve, partially in a hot smoker. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> everybody loves, we've been doing lots of smoked, uh, hot smoked salmon and pork mm-hmm. and beef and tomatoes and pretty well anything oh, you can get your Anything you can smoke. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, you can smoke just about anything. Um, I think the best turkey I've ever had that Ellie did at home just before Christmas. Um, but um, other things that we do an awful lot of, we've got um, four different um, water circulators. Aussies call them sous vides, which is, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but it, they're things that Whee! allow you to cook at an exact temperature. So we just put on, uh, before we left, um, some beef to cook for Friday that's now sat at 58 degrees and will be sat at 58 oh degrees God. for two days. So it will taste absolutely amazing, wow. but it'll be medium rare because yeah. it's medium rare now yeah. after an hour and all that's going to happen is those proteins are going to untangle. It's going to become something you could cook Very with your little finger flavor. and it's going to taste amazing. So those kind of things that allow us to use, we're big on technique, Yeah. Um, but those kind of things, the science is, yeah, and the way people cook. Well, you do have like a nuclear chemistry degree, yeah. so yeah. you might as well put it to use somehow. Yeah, look, I think that that's um, people do refer to me as the gadget man sometimes because <laughs> I have a lot of toys, um, but we like to use them to create stuff that's different. So yeah. we do look for us flavour is the most important thing. Yeah. So the toys allow us to make flavour front and centre. Yeah. Um, because most of the kitchen gadgetry that you get in fancy high-end restaurants, which we are lucky enough to actually have in our kitchen, are very much geared towards that kind of thing. They're geared towards um, making flavour really the centrepiece of any dish and to developing flavour in food, and that's really what our food is is about. We want stuff that's going to taste great and want people to go, wow, that's amazing. And it's a different way of doing it as well. Oh, I've never had it had... beef (laughs) something like a steak oh i've never had it taste so beefy or i've never had it you know taste be so like so tender yeah and we're really lucky that we're in a position to to be able to do that i'm so hungry right now yeah (laughs) i I skip breakfast so i made a really terrible mistake (laughs) terrible mistake um you've kind of gone through and answered a couple more of my questions so you you answered like the catering for allergies vegetarians vegans yeah Yeah. just tell us with that i think just the earlier that we've got it if you know that we've got people we can make it really easy and we can make make things not have to cost you if you have to have when we were talking about this before we started if you have to have a totally different dish to cover for dietaries and you've got a big wedding you often have to have a separate chef 
just putting together the dietary requirements. Mm-hmm. What we try and do when we design menus is to say, we can make this gluten-free by taking away this component for a seated three-course dinner. Yeah. Or we can make it dairy-free by leaving off this or by swapping so that the chef who's dealing with those dietaries just has to change from the pots in front of him one element of a dish Mm. to make it cover those people. And make sure that you've got a standout dietary requirement dish that will suit all comers yeah. That can be gluten free, dairy free, da da da. Like the vegan yeah. dairy. That's so you've covered dairy. You've covered well. lots of bases, and if we've done that, it doesn't have to cost you anymore. And it doesn't have to all be boring. Our, no. We all always, of, on all of our menus, when we write our canapé menus, um, even if we're doing a sit down, we generally have canapés on the menu for that first hour. There is always at least one vegetarian option. There are usually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and usually there are two gluten free options on yeah. most of ours because. I don't eat a lot of carbs myself, and so I'm very used to not putting gluten. Yeah, and we make everything because we make everything from scratch. So, for example, we did an agadashi eggplant on a wedding recently, and there were a few celiacs there, which actually, as it happens, we hadn't been told about. And so they were all asking the staff, oh, can I have this? And because we make our dashi stock from scratch, which even most Japanese restaurants don't do anymore, yeah. they will use a powdered version that they reconstitute. But because we use our own, we use kombu that we've had dehydrated or we've bought dehydrated, we use dehydrated mushrooms, we use dried bonito and we make it from scratch, we know for a fact that there are no fillers there. And that's great because we can say with absolute certainty for the celiacs, yeah. this is not going to upset your stomach. This is not going to make you sick. And we have close friends who are properly celiac. And so we do understand that it is really important. And dietary requirements, regardless of our personal beliefs, obviously being foodie, we definitely fall into that category yeah. of, you know, oh, you know, don't be so silly. But it's a belief and it is important. And it's as important as our Jewish clients who have to have kosher weddings. Yeah. Just because we don't follow that belief system exactly. doesn't mean that it's something that we can write off and just go, oh, that doesn't matter. And if it's because important it to you, yeah. and that's the, the the wedding that we did with the Agadashi eggplant just the last weekend, there were so many bits on there because of the group and who they were that we did a vegan substantial item for all 130 people. Mm. And that's what they wanted. No, if you're going to make... I often, when we're having curries, just do vegetarian curries anyway because... Mm a lot of the great recipes are, but doing a good Burmese potato curry from scratch, from raw ingredients, yes, everything in the kitchen is now orange because fresh tamarind root. <laughs> and turmeric um, goes everywhere. Yeah. But fresh turmeric is so damn good. And yeah. um, whether you believe in all the health benefits and whatever it gives, it smells bloody wonderful yeah. and it makes a great dish at the end of the day and so much better than using powdered muck. Yeah. And we are able to do that because we do things from scratch. Yeah. And I think that's that's certainly the bit that we like that sets us apart, but it's the bit that we're passionate about. Um, and I, you know, I'm sick of when you go to restaurants or caterers where it says XYZ fish and you know damn well that it's, it's Goldbound Snapper or yeah. it's Carpet Shark <laughs> or whatever, because that's the cheap stuff that's in the market. Or God forbid, Basser at six dollars a kilo. Oh, mm-hmm. If it's if we say what it is, we know said, what it is. But there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, we used we We did a paella recently where we used it in a in a dish because for fish that's going for exactly. white fish that we want to flake through nice. into yeah, yeah, perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually 
I reckon we'll finish off with if you have any tips for couples developing a menu for their wedding. Ashley, do you think we've been... We've pretty much covered this. I'd just say be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself. Tell your caterer what you want. Um, Have a good thing. I'd say even before getting in touch with the caterer, we tend to... We'll often get people to go away and think about it and come back to us before popping together a menu after that initial conversation with ballpark pricing for this and what you can do around different things. We'll say go and have a think if there's something like we did a wedding the other year where um nanny had been famous for apple strudel and we didn't want to put apple strudel on because Mm. everybody compared it to granny's apple strudel but we did a mushroom strudel as a side dish so you can do those things as a nod to people and to do those and we can have a bit of fun but have a think about favorite dishes and what you like and what you want to tell of your story um and then we can start to look at the time of year and if you're going to be up and dancing from nine o'clock do you really want to be having big bowls of gnocchi uh half past eight but that might be important to you, you yeah know? and it might be that we want to do bags and bags and noodles of food and no end of times we get people saying you know we've got a big italian family we want to be sure that we've got enough food We'll never run out of food. Um, Honestly, but, my fridge is testament to it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think the most important thing is to really have a think about what you want to get out of your wedding because that often decides whether it's going to be a standing thing as a party where guests are up and dancing or whether it's going to be more formal with three rounds of five speeches where we want to be working into the running order right from the get-go how things are going to work and how things are going to run so that we can fit it in timely in an evening and actually get you dancing for more than 20 minutes at the end yeah it's really yeah it's horses of courses so thank you for joining us today and listening to us talk about food which we really really enjoyed (laughs) um you can find us at www.theweddingmethod.com you can email us any questions at theweddingmethod at gmail.com and obviously you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks so much. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks, Ellie and Zach. Bye. Thanks for having us. I wake up.